What is up, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio as we embark on a weekend, and a key weekend at that. Legal free agent tampering period begins on Monday. So, a lot of things to do on this show. Glad to be with you. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. We're going to have Drew Doherty on to play gut reaction later, get his thoughts on some of the things that have happened throughout the NFL. Plenty of things have happened. My man David Fletcher, general manager of LSSE, Lone Star Sports Entertainment, is going to join us and talk about the greatest college football weekend ever at NRG Stadium. Coming up this year in 2019, that's right. We will have that. But first, we're starting tonight's show with new quarterbacks coach Carl Smith. Now, lots been written about Coach Smith, Aaron Reese of The Athletic, and I actually sent him a, a text afterwards. It was a really good article about Carl Smith, and we had a blast talking with Coach Smith earlier this week, and here it is. Mark Vandermeer and I sat down with the new quarterbacks coach, Carl Smith, of your Houston Texans. Coach, great to have you with us. How's it been so far for you here in the building? Undefeated. Love uh, it. <laughs> undefeated. <laughs> what are you making the rodeo here? But I like believe it. me, they, they, they do leave. They're not around during football season. I like it. I, went, I saw Casey Musgraves. I probably wouldn't have seen her otherwise. She was fantastic. So, uh, she was. Had a chance to see her with my daughter. I didn't know who Casey Musgraves was. It shows you how out of it I am. But my daughter wanted to see her coach, so... I was like, all right, let's go. She was great. She she was, and the uh, the rodeo people they were outstanding. I hadn't I've been to a rodeo. It's been about twenty years. They were really good. Coach, you've been around a lot of different quarterbacks. If somebody came to you and said, "What's the one asset that a, a successful NFL quarterback has got to have?" What asset? would you say that quarterback's got to have? Well, I've got my whole uh, evaluation down because I just came from the combine. Of course. But, uh, he has to be able to uh, survive in the jungle. So he has to be physical enough to play with the guys, uh, you know, against Jadavian Clowney, J.J. Watt. He has to be able to survive in that jungle. What does that entail? Because you got to keep your eyes downfield, you got to make throws, but you also have to keep your head on a swivel and avoid those kinds of contact situations i mean how do you read into that i'm just looking for somebody who's athlete enough to play in the game it's it's uh, you can look in uh the nba it's like who's going to be able to you know college guards right, right? the great college guards they can't play in the nba you know they just they can't you know maybe two guys uh they got to be able to be in there with lebron and steph and uh, uh all the rockets guys and it's the same thing here. There's really good college quarterbacks coming out this year, right? And every year there's 12 guys that come out. There's about two guys that make it every year. And they might make a team, but they're not going to start for, uh, for for your team. There's only a couple guys with enough physical talent to play. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody with the talent of um, Deshaun Watson with physical talent of Russell Wilson, uh, Drew Bledsoe, uh, on and on. What about the mental talent, though? How do you measure that or try to before they become pros? You watch them play in college. You can see that. Yeah, simple as that. Can they play? You're going to watch them. Coach, last year when you were with Seattle, and I know when you're, you're, you're dealing with your offense, did you get a chance to sneak a peek at Deshaun Watson, and what did you think of him when you got a chance to see him up close? Uh, I didn't see him much this year. We didn't play against him. And, Two years ago, uh, I guess, in 2017. Yeah, they 
he killed us. <laughs> so, so it was good. But I had evaluated him coming out. I got to talk to him at the combine. Very impressed. Uh, I still remember to this day some of his answers. And then we have film. We've, we filmed those games from last year. Yeah. So I've watched every one of them. It's fantastic. Bill O'Brien talks about your experience and, and working in a lot of different systems with a lot of different quarterbacks. And, and I, I find it really fascinating the different kinds of players you've worked with because they have different physical skill sets. But as you say, they can survive in the jungle. But let, let's go over some of these guys, if you will. Uh, you know, having worked in – I'm going to start here, Coach. I'm going way back. Yeah, I've got the whole list right here because I, I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to – and I'm not going to talk about Lamar or southwestern Louisiana. I'm going to talk about the Philadelphia Stars yeah, and Chuck yeah, Vucina. Yeah, yeah. You know I wanted to get to this. Yes. But back in the day, you worked at the USFL – and you were a special teams coordinator, right, for the Philadelphia Stars? The first year I was, yes. Okay. What was that experience like? And and being with that team, and that was the premier team in that league, which still gets a lot of retroactive respect. We are talking about the USFL. Yeah. You, know, you know, you're I'm not kidding. Here. You see how he did the that? The United States football. You know, nobody's listening to this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, they are, believe but, me. But uh, – I love talking about it. It was great because we were, I was there three years. I had the tight ends the first year on the special teams. Then I had the quarterbacks and wideouts. And the third year, I called the plays. No, the second year, I called the passes. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Jim Merkenbach, who's passed, hi, Jim, he'd, he'd be standing there, he'd be calling the plays, and then he'd just hit me on the arm. <laughs> All they, had to do to, all they had to do to scout was just look over there. As soon as Jim hit me, it was like, I think it's a pass. <laughs> so I called the pass plays. And then the, somewhere in there, uh, after I think week four, we were losing at the start of the third year in the USFL. And uh, I had this look on my face. And Coach Mora, he was head coach time, he said, what? Well, if you've seen it, it's just a little bump <laughs> We threw into the wind, and now we've got the wind. We've called no passes, and then it had four or five things. He said, "Okay, you're calling the placement." So okay, we did. Man. It was fantastic because because we went to the championship game all three years, and year two and year three we won it. You know, we beat uh, Herschel Walker in the in the playoff game before the last, I think, uh, championship game. They didn't make it. It, it was fantastic. We won. How about this? I, this just dawned on me as we were talking. How many coaches, I don't think this, there's an answer to this, how many coaches could say they won championships at the USFL, which you did with the Baltimore Stars, mm-hmm. you won a college championship with USC? Yep. Although, does that still count? That's yeah, good enough. It's good enough. We're going to count it. You won a Super Bowl with the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. You've won a championship at every football league I think <laughs> there's been. I don't know that many coaches that can say that. If you add the Wasco Tigers in the South Sequoia <laughs> League and the Bakersfield College Renegades, I think that that's just me. That's just you. I mean, it can't be, it can't be, it can't be many others. As, as Mark alluded to, you coach different quarterbacks. You coach Chuck Fusina, kind of a, a pocket guy. Drew Bledsoe obviously had one of the strongest arms you've ever seen. You coached Matt Leinart when he was at USC. So you coach, you know, pocket guys, and then all of a sudden you're in Seattle and you get a, you get a guy like Russell Wilson who, when the ball is snapped, that's when the fun begins. How different was it dealing with a guy like Russell that could do some different things that maybe the other quarterbacks couldn't do? What was it like coaching him? Uh, it was terrific. He's as advertised uh, for you that don't know. I mean, he's got an image, but uh, that's him. He's a terrific guy. He works on it every day. Uh, he listens to what you say. He works on his game. Anything you ask him to do, he's going to work on. So it, it was it was great fun. 
It's not like he came from out of nowhere, but he's got a tremendous story because they had Matt Flynn there, and he was able to beat him out and prove that he was the franchise guy very quickly. Very few guys have that ability, especially when they when it wasn't spotted right away as a third-round draft pick. Yeah, that was an interesting deal, and you have to give Coach Carroll credit. Russell, of course, at the end of the minicamp, he put it out there as, like, quarterback uh, competition is open. I like to remind Russ that uh, he threw eight interceptions in those three practices. <laughs> you know, and at the end of that, Pete thought he was so good that he opened the competition. Competition is always open at every position, but to publicly state it, yep. it's, it's like, you know, it, ha- it had some power to it. You know, it was a great way to emphasize his core belief that uh, competition it's all about competition. So despite those interceptions, you guys saw the ability, the raw ability, and you felt like it could get corrected and, and move on from there. Yeah, yeah. You could tell he had spark and all that stuff. And so we just we just went about it day by day. And he really wanted in the preseason games. He started, he was the third guy to go out in the first preseason game, the second guy to go out in the second one, and third game at Kansas City. We had Terrell Owens and Kellen Winslow on that team at that point and they both got released right longer but he was in with those guys and started and he was electric and at that point at the end of that game uh pete said he's starting the first game he didn't go past that and in the first few games uh it was a game game to game deal it's like should we go another week yeah let's give him another week because we didn't start very well and they're still going with him at that point, what makes this opportunity, Coach, to be with the Houston Texans and Coach Deshaun Watson to be on the staff, what made this this spot attractive for you? There's a lot of things that are attractive about the Houston Texans. You know, we just won 11 games. I saw them the year before, and they were lights out. They had us beat in Seattle. They're blue. I like teams that are blue. <laughs> but the biggest attraction is my son coaches here. Uh, he's assistant special teams coach. Last year, he came in with Coach Seeley. We go back to 82. I got him to go to NC State from Lamar right down the road. Those connections, and then I've known Coach O'Brien, not well, but I've known him for, for years. So I know, I uh, have faith in what he's doing. Got the thumbs up from Coach Seeley. So that, that was the main attraction. Pete Carroll in New England versus Pete Carroll in Seattle. Was there a difference in the way he handled things, or how did that go? How did that differ, in your opinion? Total different job. Mm-hmm. So he had zero control at the Patriots, none. So he could just coach the team. There's no difference in him as a football coach. At Seattle, he and John do the personnel together. When you have your son and you have Tracy, do you ever think at some point, first of all, he'll be a football coach, and when he does become a football coach, hey, one day I'd love to be able to coach with him? Was that something you always thought about? And I ask you this as a coach's son. I always thought about coaching with my dad at some point, and I thought, you know, my dad and I are probably going to get in a fight on the sidelines. That's not a good thing. <laughs> did you ever Did you ever think that it could happen, that you would one day coach with your son? Really, no. It, he told his mom, he didn't tell me, when he was in the fourth grade that he was going to coach football. So somewhere in there she told me, and, and I've been working against it since then. You know, it's like yeah. – and I couldn't get him out of football, so I was like, what about personnel? You know, those guys sometimes stay – you know, when all the coaches have to leave town. So, no, and then he, he wouldn't come off of it. But I never did think we'd coach together. All right, three quarterbacks I want to ask you about real quickly here that you've coached, and just give me a quick thumbnail on what you think is their best or was their best trait as a player. First one, Bobby Bear. Tenacity. 
deep balls. He was a good deep ball thrower, had touch on the deep ball, the go ball, and uh, tenacity. Okay. He's got quickness in the pocket. You, you'd think he couldn't move at all, but he, he had correct, uh, reactions, quick reactions. Did you understand any word he ever said to you? <laughs> My wife is from Lafayette, Louisiana, so yeah, you did. Okay. You had a translator at she's home. A, she's a Prejean. Her mama was a mouton, so yes. Yeah, I, and Abear now, a talk show host in New Orleans, Drew Bledsoe. Uh, let me go back to Bobby while I'm at it. Okay. So I actually saw him play in high school. So I recruited and uh, Coach O, Coach Ogeron. Yeah. yeah. They were teammates right there. And uh, I recruited Coach O. I did not recruit Bobby. Nobody recruited Bobby. Coach O was in my house. Anyway, he was just uh, Bebe Ogeron at the time. And you coached against Bear in the USFL. Yes. Yes, I did. So I've known him way back. He grew like five inches after his senior year. Northwestern Louisiana picked him up. Bledsoe. Great arm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic arm. And Matt Leinart in college. Matt, let's see. Well, he was just a killer. We Everything worked there. Everything yeah. worked. We, we won the national championship by about 30 and won all our games. So that's why I had to leave. <laughs> of course. <laughs> won all our games and Leonard wins a Heisman Trophy. So I had to get the heck out of there. Well, we really appreciate the time, Coach. Thanks a lot for being with us. Okay. Thanks, guys. When I'm telling you we had a blast talking to Coach Smith, I it might be one of the more fun assistant coaching interviews that we have ever done. Now, Anthony Weaver always takes the cake because Weave and I did radio way, way, way back together. But we even talked to Coach Smith for about probably seven to ten minutes afterwards that I wish we would have recorded too because we just started asking about all you know the various other quarterbacks he's been around. He told us some of the Matt Leinart uh, stories. and I mean, it just would have been great stuff to hear, but we cut it off there, and he was so much fun. And I think he's going to be a really good piece for this offense with Tim Kelly, the experience that Carl has had in all these different systems with different coaches and different quarterbacks. Provide that for Deshaun. I think Carl's going to be fantastic. So we really appreciate Tim Kelly and Carl Smith for joining us this week. That was great stuff from Carl. Really can't thank him enough, and hopefully we'll be able to get him back on and talk. Man, I, I, w- I could do a whole segment on USFL. A whole segment on USFL. In his days with Chuck Fusine, I mean, that story he told us about the Baltimore Stars was was just great. It was really, really good stuff. So there you have it. Now, coming up next, it's our good friend, general manager of LSSC, David Fletcher, going to stop by to talk about the greatest college football weekend at NRG Stadium in its history. We'll do that next right here on Texas All Access. Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And every September, every December, I get a chance to go up on the deck with Drew Doherty when it's time for the Abcare Texas kickoff. And it's also time for the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. Joining me right now to talk about that and then some is the general manager of LSSE, executive director of the bowl game, my man, David Fletcher. Fletcher, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing great, Johnny. You're totally minimizing yourself. Don't forget every single week during the season – We've got content uh, in the College uh, Football true. Insider yeah. Newsletter from Johnny Harris. I, you know, it's funny you say that because there's just so many, there's so many different times where I'm doing content for things that are outside the Texans that I just I tend to forget. It's like, oh, yeah, I did a radio show with Tex Ags. And, oh, yeah, yeah, I did that. And so there's so many different things that 
end up popping up on my list. I I forgot about that, but that's always uh, it's always fun to do talk about the college football side of my life. It's must it's must uh, it's appointment reading, and I, I love reading it, and we appreciate you doing it. I know our our uh, fans and college football fans uh, uh, in general love hearing from you. It's great to have an expert like you, and this year in particular. Yeah, I mean, with as big a college football calendar as we've got at Lone Star this year, it's it's going to be even more fun seeing what you got on the horizon. Yeah, no doubt. And let, let's talk about that, Fletch. First of all, I want to talk about something I saw the other day, and then, then we're going to get into what could very well be the greatest college football weekend here in Houston. What we're going to have in September, we're going to get to that. So I want to I want to dive into that. But I saw earlier this week a tweet from Brett McMurphy saying that a few of the bowl games are changing their conference affiliation. I think the Las Vegas Bowl, the SEC slash Big Ten is moving in to take on, I think, the Pac-12. There was another one where I think the SEC and Big Ten were moving in as well. And it got me thinking about your relationship with the two conferences, the SEC and the Big 12. Why, in your opinion, has that been so good for you? How has it been good for LSSC? Why has it been good for the city of Houston to have – those two partners, the SEC and the Big 12, in this game. Yeah, it's, it's been a game changer for us. You know, we talk a lot about about the things that have helped build up uh, the 14 years of the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl into one of the premier games in the country. Um, you look at our, our, of course, bringing the game back in general uh, and the relationship we've had with the Big 12 since day one. You look at the opportunity we've had as, as partners in working with ESPN. Um, you look at um, Academy Sports and Outdoors, a a fantastic local company um, with deep roots in college football being part of the equation. But I, I don't think anything has been bigger for our event uh, and, and the perception of what we're doing here in Houston than the matchup of Big 12 and SEC that we've had the last five years in the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. When you look at what those two schools geographically mean to this region, yeah. um, it is it is by far um, the two biggest conferences that have a footprint right here uh, in the Houston market almost colliding Uh, and for years the Cotton Bowl built their tradition off of that big 12 slash big 8 SEC matchup each and every year we've been fortunate enough with the changes in the landscape to have that the last five years we're very excited about the future with those two conferences it really just I mean when you look at it for so many reasons the the geographic nature I mentioned but there are tremendous amount of of alumni for for those two conferences schools here in our market uh, it's the number one market for many of those schools uh, and then you don't need to look any further than where you were earlier in the week up in in indy with what those two conferences have relative to the talent yeah um yep. and and so you know we've had an opportunity over the last five years to see a number one overall pick in miles garrett playing the game uh top five pick in leonard Fournette. Um, we got a guy in Patrick in, Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Same game, yeah. Patrick Mahomes. You've got uh, a guy in uh, uh, our very own Deontay Foreman, um, and uh, you got a guy this year that uh, will definitely be a, a top pick uh, in Drew Locke that uh, just played in the game a couple years ago at Missouri versus Texas. So um, when you look at at having the stable of those two conferences, uh, I would argue it's been as big for us and our community because those those fans are are here working in our in our companies and eating in our restaurants throughout the year and then they get their buddies to come in come game time and and it really becomes a great celebration of college football it's amazing when you start thinking back to the lsu texas tech matchup which was i think after the 2015 2015 season because on the texas tech side you had patrick mahomes Mm -hmm. you had kiki qt yep you had uh, deandre washington who ended up going to the raiders i believe the raiders 
Uh, you had Dakota Allen, who's a young guy who's going to get drafted, who ended up having to go last chance you and come back, and is an incredible story. On the LSU side, you had Arden Key. Yep. You had Jamal Adams. Yep. You had Leonard Fournette. You had DJ Chark. I mean, <laughs> from a bowl game standpoint, that's that's an amazing list of talent to have in a game. And then this year, you know, unfortunately, Jalen Hurd was not able to play for Baylor, um, which was really unfortunate because I think he's got a really good future in the NFL. But Vanderbilt's got a corner by the name of Joan Williams. Yeah. And he's got an opportunity at 6'4 and 210 pounds. He plays corner. Could move to safety given his speed and everything. But you're talking about a guy that's got every opportunity to be a – you know, a, a middle day two pick, a round two pick in this NFL draft. So, uh, and this year's game, Baylor and Vanderbilt. I know when it was announced, I know people were like, Vanderbilt and Baylor, oh, really? It was the best bowl game of them all, really. Well, you weren't the only one to say that. I, I mean, mean, it really was the best bowl game of all of them. I mean, it was highly entertaining on both sides. I mean, it was really fun to watch. Yeah, anytime you have 45-38, that's generally going to be an entertaining game. Um, and, and, the way that that unfolded with with Vanderbilt having huge plays throughout the game, you know, if you would have said, and and you, again, you know, you weren't alone in saying that it was one of the best games. Most of the outlets around the country put yep. it as the or one of the best, um, which uh, just added to the the history that we've had here. But if you would have told me that Derek Mason's defense would have given up, would have gotten thirty eight points, yeah, there's no way, yeah, there's no way, no matter who they were playing, I would think that they were. Um, that they were going to be um, losing that game. So it, it really is fun, and every year the talent continues to rise in those postseason games. You know, there there has certainly been a lot of talk about um, about about players that have not participated in bowls, but we've been fortunate, and I and I think um, we're going to continue to be because that that is a stage that most the vast majority of players. Get 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 to use to build their story yeah, heading into a very important uh, time in their lives with uh, graduation combine and, and draft. So um, you know we we we're excited about what we've been able to build. We've got a long term relationship with these conferences, um, and it's only going to get better from here as we continue to to, to move forward as an elite conf- or say an elite market for college football. Coming up in September, we've got a weekend that. I think is, and you you said this, and I'm like, okay. Sometimes I I think, all right, Fletch is on point with this one. You called it the greatest college football weekend in the history of Houston. And I think about, it, I'm like, you know, I think this is right. I think this is dead on. On Friday night, September 13th, you've got Washington State and the Fighting Mike Leach is coming to take on his former pupil Dana Holgerson, University of Houston, and then. The next afternoon, you've got the University of Texas taking on Rice University in back-to-back nights, and there might be a Texas game after that Sunday, although I think we're working hard with the NFL to try to make that not happen because that would be way crazy. Who knows, man? You but if that know. did happen, if you got Texans v. question mark on Sunday, it's without a doubt the greatest weekend in football in Houston <laughs> to have those three back-to-back-to-back, but... We do know that we've got those two college games back-to-back. We talked about Washington State and Houston when it happened, Fletch, but to have those two games back-to-back on a weekend here in Houston is a huge feather in your cap. What kind of challenges does that present? But on the flip side, what do you gain in having those two games together? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think it's an understatement to say it is the biggest weekend, at least at NRG ever. I yeah. mean, from a college football perspective, you've got what will likely be two top-ten teams in Texas – in Washington State, yeah, uh, you've got the two hometown uh, universities. Uh, you've got the excitement around 
Dana Holgerson in what will be his first opportunity on the biggest of stages here in Houston, uh, going against his his uh, his former or his mentor and his former colleague, great friend Mike Leach. You got Mike Leach yeah. coming back to Texas. Yeah, that always that, that you sold me stopping <laughs> Mike Leach, and I love Dana. I love Dana. You got Mike Leach. You got Mike Leach, and then and then you turn to to, to Saturday. Uh, and you know, get University of Texas. The Longhorns will be coming off of a big game in Austin against LSU yeah. the week before. Huge they game. win that game. Their 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 track is set for uh, what could be a special season. And and look, Rice University is is uh, is coming off of a down year. But Coach Bloomgren in his second year um, got the recruits that he wanted. Um, this past off season, he's got a, another year with the with the guys in his system, and, and what he's building over there from from a long term perspective is is something that um, you know we saw for years with Coach Bailiff. Um, I, I think Mike is the kind of guy that can absolutely build that out in the long run. There, it, it, there's no doubt. It's tough sledding to go against the University of Texas yep. when you're Rice when you're where, where Rice has been, but um, I think it adds up for what will be a really uh, exciting weekend too. Uh, hopefully, we have two night games. We know this Friday night game for sure is going to be sure, the seven yeah. o'clock on ESPN. We're hoping and thinking that um, that that Saturday night game will be a prime time as well. And uh, and for college football fans, it doesn't get better, any better than that, especially here in Houston. So uh, you've got great opportunities. Avocare Texas kickoff. If you want to check it out right now, we've got some really we've got some really incredible offers uh, to get people in right now. Um, and uh, so I go to that site right now. Tickets just went on sale uh, for, for those as well as um, a special offer with the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl uh, later in December. Uh, I mean, if you look at the college football landscape in Houston, you've got those three games that we've talked about here already. And don't forget the biggest FCS game in the country, Battle of Piney Woods, yeah. presented by HEB, Sam Houston State, Stephen F. Austin, 10th anniversary of that game coming to NRG Stadium this year, 94th overall. Um, I mean, if you're a college football fan, you, you just got to be chomping at the bit when you see the schedule we have this year. It's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Fletch, you've done a great job putting that all together. Looking forward to doing that. AdvocateTexasKickoff.com. AdvocateTexasKickoff.com. That's where you get your tickets uh, for Washington State and Houston. Go do that. Get that taken care of. A lot of great packages. It could be a great family event, man. It would be absolutely fantastic. Fletch, great job. Thank you, my friend. And we'll talk to you. We're going to be talking to you more often this offseason. You've got plenty of stuff with LSSC coming up. we got a big, big year ahead with Lone Star Sports yep. and Entertainment, in addition to what will be a big, big year for our Houston Texans. So no doubt. always appreciate what you do and the opportunity to, to join you each and every uh, chance we get. So you got thanks it, again, Johnny. Thank you, buddy. Up next, it's my good friend Drew Doherty going to stop by for gut reaction. What's been happening in the NFL? What happened today? What we project to happen in a few days. We'll do that next right here on Texans All Access. What's up, everybody? One final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, and I'm joined by my good friend, my brosif, as he says about me. Yes. My in-lab partner, which you hear uh, on your iTunes podcast in-lab. You also hear Wednesday nights because I play a snippet of it. It's my buddy, Drew Doherty. What's up, Drew? What's going on, dude? A lot going on. It's Big a day. lot going on big day r.i.p jan michael vincent from airwolf whoa yeah i didn't hear that one mm-hmm. uh r.i.p dan jenkins yeah that's the one that i did here mm-hmm. well, that was i mean what a great writer a great writer college football golf i mean he was wordsmith he was phenomenal mm-hmm. really really good all right I brought you on obviously to give out r.i.p's you know <laughs> but I do a thing with Mark I call it gut reaction. Uh-huh. Mark's pretty good at it. It also gives Mark kind of the opportunity to just kind of vent on things, which mm-hmm. he seemingly likes to do. 
So I'm going to hit you with a comment, headline, something that's happened, and I'm just getting your gut reaction to it. You can expand on it. If you said all you wanted to in two or three words, we can move on. But it's called gut reaction. Mm-hmm. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. ESPN.com has an article. Our good friend Sarah Bar- Barshop. Oh, yeah. Titled, Resigning Tyron Matthew and Kareem Jackson, a priority for the Texans. Drew Doherty, what is your gut reaction to that? Yes, it is, but they're not both going to be back. Now, I think you're going to see Matthew back. I think Kareem probably not going to be around. I mean, he's already, I think in his mind, he's already mm-hmm. determined that he's not coming back. I think I think the Texans would like them both, but you just, you know, economics, you can't. Yeah, business of football. Yeah. Um, that being said, I think Matthew's the likelier one. I would not be surprised if we don't see either back, though. That's my uh, that's my gut. Your gut? Yeah. Would not be surprised if we don't see either back. But if, if one's back, it's Matthew. And I think that's... That'd be fun. I'm I'm cool with it. I wish both could come back. I, I was I did too. I was there um, at the airport when Kareem flew in the morning after the Texans drafted him in the yeah. first round, and nobody really. The only person in the run up to all that publicly that said the Texans would draft him. The only person that called that Spencer Tillman, only guy in the mock drafts that had the Texans taking Kareem Jackson. Yeah, the SEC tie. Mm-hmm. You know that's uh, wow. That's interesting. I didn't yeah. know about that. I, I didn't see him. I didn't see Kareem happening. Yeah, I did think of DB. In fact, sure. I thought Devin McCourty. Sure, that's, that's the one that I was thinking might because be. you lost Dante Robinson. Yeah, he was your lead dog at corner, so you got to replace him. And yeah, McCourty was a, a popular name. Kyle Wilson from Boise State. Yeah, that was, was the other one. Name. Kyle Wilson and Devin McCourty. And but, obviously, Devin McCourty and Kareem Jackson have had much longer careers than Kyle Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Yeah, look, I, I think a lot of people had a, have had a hard time in some sense because, you know, first impression for them couldn't change the impression. Yeah. I mean, he had a lot a, of people just couldn't come around on the fact that Kareem was a really good player for this organization, mm-hmm. uh, even though he struggled in 2010. Okay. At about 10 o'clock last night, Antonio Brown was to be a Buffalo Bill. Wake up this morning, I'm seeing tweets, oh, no, the – trade has fallen through i was asleep that whole time because i've been taking these pretty powerful prescription drugs for my gout <laughs> so they knocked me out at about 9 45 uh, i woke you got up gout oh it's bad oh man i'm sorry that's bad yeah that's that's no fun I'm yeah sorry, it's bad man. i didn't realize that um antonio brown almost a bill but he's still a stealer so this thing continues on even though today was the deadline at least self-imposed deadline for antonio brown mm-hmm thoughts about Antonio Brown almost being a bill, a Buffalo bill? Your gut reaction. Gut reaction. First thing I think is it's a little harder to trade that great a player than uh, than I think some people think. It's a little – I mean, that's, it's just you have got to get a whole hell of a lot in return for yes. him. Yes. If you're going to let him go because, right. I mean, I don't see – it's going to be trade or he's sticking around meaning he doesn't play for them next year right. or he plays for them. He's they're not cutting him. They're not you can't cut that guy. Yeah. You're going to lose way too much if you do. Both in terms of money and in terms of a, a great player. Yep. But getting what you want back and him agreeing to go wherever he's going to go, I think is uh is a lot tougher than what you imagine. Now, ultimately I think he is going to get traded. But 
it's going to have to, I mean, it's going to have to be a side that both guys, a, a deal that both sides agree on. And what have they agreed on right now? Right. Up to this point. Yeah. And I mean, that there's so many teams that have been kind of, well, we'll dip our toe in the water. Who knows what they're, they're asking for at yeah. some point. And I saw an article yesterday, Drew, talking about the Raiders, because the Raiders have been the one team everybody seems to think, okay, it's going to happen. You know, Gruden likes his veterans and all that kind of stuff. And then you step back at this article, did a really nice job, and I can't remember who wrote it, but it was somebody from, I think it may have been like Santa Rosa Mercury News, talked about it and said, look, Gruden ended up trading Khalil Mack. He ended up moving on from some veterans last year, and they did all of that so that they could build a foundation for the future. Now, going out and trading one of those first-round picks for Antonio Brown isn't staying along the course. Yeah. And then one other thing they brought up that was interesting was what's the impact of Mike Mayock as the GM on Gruden in that situation? Yeah. What, is, what does he have to say about it? So it's, it's a tricky position because he's 31 years old. You start to think, okay, does he still have another couple of years at that level mm-hmm. if he's not with Ben Roethlisberger? And I know there have been a couple of, couple of people out on, on Twitter in particular that have said he's going back to Steers. I've said all along. I just can't see how the Steelers do not want some sort of compensation. I'm with you. I don't think there's any way he just gets flat out released. Yeah. Because there's too much on the line. I mean, they've got they're looking at a twenty one million dollar cap hit. So you're gonna take a twenty one million dollar cap hit roughly around that number and not get anything back in return and for if, that. And if you're the no Raiders, way. you're the no Raiders, way. you see you, you understand like why people say, Oh, well, the Raiders have three first rounders, why not just part with one of them? Well, Suppose you hit on all three first-rounders and get really good Heck players. Yeah. You've got three dudes that potentially you won't have to pay that much. And there's the there's the, the possibility that Antonio Brown being 31, he doesn't – his career ends before you even have to pay any of those yeah, other three guys. Like no you doubt. Could, in theory, you could you, – you got all that time with them. I mean – yeah, I could see why they don't they don't want to pull the trigger on that's that. A, with that's the a move great coming point. up to Vegas, I mean, and the twenty one, you know, all the all the money that's in the contract. That's a great contract. point. And think about it; they've got with those first rounders, you've got the fifth year option. Yep. Now, yep. Things could ultimately change with the new CBA, but that's not for a couple of years. So these guys, I imagine, are going to stay under the, the the current CBA. So they've got them under team control for five years. Yep. So that's fifteen years you get total with three players, and if you hit on them, you've got them for that long. So. It, it's a very it's a very interesting point, Drew. The Denver Broncos, after trading earlier this year mm-hmm. for Joe Flacco, seemingly made Case Keenum expendable at that point. Would he stay as a backup? They're paying him a lot of money. Well, yesterday they agreed with the Washington Redskins to send Case, and they're splitting the money they're going to pay Case. So essentially the Redskins are paying about $3.5 million in this trade. A six-rounder will go to Denver, a seventh-rounder, in case will go to Washington. Mm-hmm. Washington gets a quarterback in case Keenum with Colt McCoy, Alex Smith on the roster. Don't think we're going to see him in 2019. Case Keenum traded to the Washington Redskins. Your gut reaction to that was? Good for the Redskins. I mean, I think Case can do some nice things. We've seen, we've seen Gruden's quarterbacks yeah. do all right. I mean, Alex Smith, people forget, and people kind of knock the Texans – and say they played this easy schedule last year. Well, the the Redskins wound up having a bad year. But when the Texans were in Washington, which was the week before Thanksgiving, the Redskins were in first place yeah, in the AFC East. Yeah, 
Yeah, there were three games over 500. Yep. And they were they dominated Alex Smith. They made, they made him look bad in that game. Yep. And then before he got hurt. I'm yeah. saying before he got hurt and then yeah. they they you know, they had the unfortunate injury. But going to that game, that was a pretty good Redskins team. Yeah. And you beat them up. Now, what happened 3 years prior to that? Cousins played pretty darn well there. So, what happened and what happened 2 years ago with Case Keenum? Played pretty well and took uh, the Vikings to the Final Four. Now, had a lot of help, had a lot sure. of great players around him, but who's to say that Case in that system, can't, with Darius Geis, by the way, coming back, who I think that guy is going to be, before the injury, I thought he was going to be awesome. Yeah. Who, who's to say that they can't play really, really well? You have a run game, you have a dynamic back there. I, I, that was my gut reaction. It was like, that's a good situation for Case, I think. Yeah. I. Washington's in a in a tough spot in some sense because of the Alex Smith situation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, him not being able to play in 2019, they're on the hook for 16 and a half million to him, and they got to find somebody that can help them win games. I'm not totally sure that's Colt, right? But I do think Case can win some games for you. And, and I think the NFC East got better last year, but still, it's not, you know the the Eagles. You know what happens to them. You know, they don't have Foles anymore, so something happens with Carson Wentz. It's Nate Sudfeld. Mm-hmm. Michael Bennett's crying a little bit about money, and will he come back? So I think the Eagles will still be good. I think the Cowboys have taken a step. Division's still going to be tough, but I still think the Redskins are, with Case, have an opportunity yeah. to at least be in that thing for a while. You're going to gonna mess with some people when you have when you have him around. Yeah. I, the thing about Washington, though, the one thing that I noticed while we were there they don't have any weapons on the outside. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, the one thing. Now, your boy from from SMU, Trey Quinn, I think he's a good, he's a nice slot receiver. He did a good job against us. They could actually move him to the outside and be okay. He runs four three eight. He can run. And you got Jameson Crowder, but I don't know how long Crowder stays around. But you got to give Case some weapons to throw to him. He's got Jordan Reed at a tight end, but he's got to stay healthy. For the record, my boy from SMU is Don Meredith. Okay. Rest, sure. Another rest in peace. Uh, Cole also, Be- Cole Beasley. Also, uh, yeah, he's good. He's, Kinda, he's okay. after me. Also, uh, Josh McCown. He was. He's a contemporary. Moment. That's true. Via Sam Houston State. Yeah, you still claim. I won't him, do though. my. I won't do my rant right now. You won't do that. Yeah. Uh, That's a rant supporting Josh McCown. Cleveland Browns have traded Kevin Zeitler, mm-hmm. guard, to the Giants for pass rusher Olivier Vernon. This really isn't about those two players, but. We don't see this a lot in the NFL, Drew. Yeah, it's weird. Player for player Straight trades. trades What's your player. gut reaction? Player for player trades. Man, they must you like them. They, uh, I'm okay with it. They must be the Cleveland must be very confident in the guy they're bringing up. I can't remember the name, but the guy they're oh, replacing um, uh, Zeitler, Corbett, with. Corbett, yeah, yeah from out of Nevada. Because Zeitler was a, when he was coming out of the, in the draft was a guy that a lot of people had pegged coming here. Yeah, and I I liked him. You know, he's one of those Wisconsin linemen. Yep. So um, good for the Giants. Gee whiz, they needed help up front. Yeah, no um, doubt. That's so. That's good for them. And Browns adding some more weapons. Man, looks like uh, they can, they can oh, get some man. some help there. If Olivier gets back to what he was at the end of it in Miami. He they got an opportunity with him and Miles Garrett boy, coming off the edge. Steve Wilkes defense, true four three. You know, Greg Will Greg Williams no longer there. He's gone to the Jets. But my goodness, yeah. You throw him in the mix. You still got Emmanuel Ogba. You just – I looked at it as strengthening a strength from that perspective, and you knew you had Corbett sitting in the wings. And Zeidler was a signing from the previous staff, uh-huh. or the previous regime in the front office. Corbett was drafted by this front office. They want to see what they've got in Austin Corbett. So you go with that. I I'm, I'm, wasn't too surprised by that. 
the player for player trade, I like I like player for player trade. Love it, yeah. I think it's really cool, especially when you cross positions. It's like right guard for pass rusher. Right? To kind of show, yeah, they're of different value, but Zeitler is such a good guard. That's the only way you're giving up a pass rusher and, to get him. And I know, I'm sure you got asked this and have been asked this a lot on the uh, the cooler talks that we, that we do. Because mm-hmm. I know in, in the Dear Drew mailbags that I get, yeah. every week somebody's asking, what do you think? You think the Texans are going to pull off a trade before the, the deadline? And they're not always talking about, uh, and I say before the deadline, before the draft. Yeah. They're not always asking about draft pick trades. They're, they're right. asking about player for player trades. And it's it's a question that is a good one. I mean, it's it's kind of out there and not as common, but yeah, it makes sense. I mean, the Texans need help off offensive line wise. They want to get better in the secondary. Hey, have you thought about doing this? I get that question. Yeah, almost every week, if not every other week, for sure. Well, I'll tell you one that I got. I'll get your gut reaction on this. Mm-hmm. I got this this morning when I was on on Sports Radio six ten. They said if the Texans if the Texans went out and say they were able to get Trent Brown in free agency, mm-hmm. left tackle. Say they were able to get Trent Brown, and they were able to sign. A couple of mid-level corners, maybe not the top guys, because there really aren't a ton of top corners in this free agency thing. Maybe you sign Pierre Desir, and maybe you sign one other one. But you get a couple of corners to go with Jonathan Joseph and Jermaine Kelly. And you're sitting there with pick number 23. What would you do with it? Still take. If some if there's a, a freak Here's all, wh- that slips, take gut- the freak. And, I, and I'm saying any position. I think you're, I think you're right. Gut reaction to this. I said... Well, if you aren't able to bring back Brandon Dunn, Angelo Blackson, Christian Covington, or any combination of those. I think one of them's back, though. I think one, one of those three's back. back. But is that enough? Because now you've got Watkins, Reader, and one of those guys. I think if you sign two of them, then maybe this is moot. But I said, if you're not able to bring those guys back, I said, you really need an interior pass rusher. You really need a guy that gets after There's it. There's a lot of them in this draft. The guy that I said was Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame. Now, he's having shoulder surgery, but I think which – means you might be able to get him in the second round, but maybe not 54 or 55. But it depends on how teams look at it. He should be ready to go by training camp. But I said Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame, a guy like that that can get up the field. Very interesting guy, too. But I just think interior pass rusher, look, we've got the guys on the outside. And it's like, well, you, you can't get greedy. I'm like, well, why not? The Eagles, yeah, can. the Eagles last year put four guys on the field that were pro bowlers with Michael Bennett and Chris Long on the outside and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham on the inside. If you're knocking so, the ball loose and you're harassing the quarterback, yeah. your coverage is going to look a lot better. Your cornerback's going to look, look a lot better. You're going to get the ball back, yeah. and you're going to be able to run the ball more. You're going to be able to protect your quarterback. Your offensive line's going to get better. I'm fine with it. Let me ask you this. Is there any 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 chance at all that Ed Oliver slips I've thought about that. I've thought about Could that. Could you even – I mean, if he's at 23, how do you justify – not taking him. If, especially if you're not able to bring back a bunch of guys on the interior. I mean, it's tough. Even dude. if you are able to. I know. Can you? Oh, I've thought about that. I've thought about that flying home from Houston or from uh, Indy. What do, I've thought about that. What What do we say all the time about about uh, Romeo Cornell's defense? It's it's guy. You got guys that are flexible that can move around. Do a bunch of them. What does that Oliver do? And what does it look like he can do? That's what he's going to be around. in the NFL. And what? Do, I mean, he's. Think about it. I don't think he gets that far. I don't think so either. Were, Boy, it'd be an interesting decision, boy. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's an elite guy, elite talent that, I, yeah, I don't think he's going to. He's not going to. There's no way he falls. Appreciate it, Drew. Thanks, Anytime, man. dude. That's the show, folks. A big thanks to Carl Smith, to Mark Vandermeer, to David Fletcher, to Drew Doherty, to all of you for listening. We'll be back on Monday as free agency period comes near. Thank you so much for listening. As always, go Texans.